Revelation chapter 12. Okay, if you'd like to come and sit down. And we will continue our conversations in the tea and the coffee area. Yeah. And I just want to encourage people who are new or if you're here for the first time, the, the pastors, Pastor Ross and Ash, Pastor Martin, and we have the leaders um, on the front seat. Come, come and say hi. If there's anyone you want prayer for anything, even if the service has officially ended, or you just want to come and say hello, because we are really aware that sometimes people come in and, and, they, and they leave. And, and you know, I, I spoke to one lady the other week, and she'd been here for months, but I've never actually even said hello because um, just, just the way things have happened. So I just want to encourage anyone, please come and say hello to any of us on the front seat here um, before, before you duck out. Okay, Revelation 12, and I'm going to be reading for my husband from verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then... I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Amen. 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 Please turn the... Thank you. Wonderful prayer meeting. And uh, in that meeting, God just spoke a word to me very, very clearly. And he said, this would be a year, and very clear, a year of victory for my people. Now, when we hear a year of victory, it's really easy to think, well, this is a, it's just kind of a light, pithy, triumphal word that everything's going to go well for. But what that implies when God says to you, it's going to be a year of victory, it's also implying it's going to be a year of battle. Because there is no victory apart from battle. And, you know, if you are a real Christian here, if you are a sold out, born again, spirit filled Christian, it's tremendous. You are forgiven. You are set free and you're on your way to heaven to be eternally with Jesus. But while you're here, you have a mortal enemy called Satan who is determined to oppress you, to oppose you, to stop you moving into what God has for you, to afflict you, to cause trouble in your marriages, your finances, your family. And God's plan for his people is not that they be free of all that, 
But when they encounter all that, they know how to overcome. They expect to overcome in their battles. And there's a time in the Scriptures where a man called Joshua, who had been equipped for victory, fought a battle, and it looked like it had gone against him, and he sat down, accepting defeat, and God was not pleased. He said, get up. And if we have been equipped to overcome, God is not pleased when we sit down in the dirt and say, it's pointless. He's not pleased. He's not glorified by all that. And the passage my wife just read today was about how God's people overcome. And I, I tell you, 2024, if you're like me, you're going to have a, a wonderful year, but going to be many challenges. There are going to be giants. There's going to be storms you're going to go through. There will be uh, mountains in, put in front of you in your marriage and your finances and your health. Be many, many battles. But God says to you today, this will be a year, unlike previous experiences, this will be, he wants you to believe him for overcoming victory. In the midst of battles where you have previously lost, maybe battles against depression, battle against your mind, God says today, my people, this year he intends for you in those battles to become overcomers. And it's so important. Do you know why it's so important to be an overcomer? In the scriptures... There are tremendous promises made to God's people that you will, uh, in, you know, live forever in the, in the garden that Adam was. You'll be given a stone. God will write his name upon you. That's why he's going to tattoo me with his name, the New Jerusalem. And uh, Word of God says that, that, that we will be, if we're faithful, we'll be pillars in the temple of God, never to go out again. But all these promises are, are given, they're conditional to he who overcomes. He who overcomes, that's the, that's the promise given to. And there are two aspects. It's, it's, it's interesting because in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John says that we have overcome. And it says... Uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Yet in all through the, the book of Revelation, in, when Jesus is speaking to the seven churches, he's speaking to the seven churches, and seven represents fullness. So the seven churches in Revelation represent all the churches for all time. And he's got a word of correction for all the churches for all time. And he speaks to them and he says to them all the time, to him who overcomes. So if you're a born-again believer and you've trusted in Jesus, you are an overcomer in him. Legally, that's what you are, it's your status. But like everything in the Scriptures, what God says we are and God gives to us, we have to take by faith and appropriate it. That's, that's why it says we overcome by faith. We are overcomers. Christ has made us overcomers. But we have to apply what has been given to us legally by faith. It's like if it starts to pour outside, you can have an umbrella. And you can be using it as a cane and you're going to get wet. Because you're not using what you've been given. And a lot of believers are like that. They do not overcome 
because they don't know how to use what God has already given you by faith. We get wet because an umbrella is not a cane. Now, what the, what the word uh, overcome means is it, it actually, in the Greek, it actually means to overrule. So it's like if you're in a, a, a sporting contest and someone does something illegitimate to you, the referee comes in and says, no, I'm going to overrule that. That's what Jesus wants to do when Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy from you. He wants to release his power into your life and overrule what the enemy is trying to do. Or it's a judge. You know, a judge, a condition comes down and says, I'm overruling whatever else has been ruled. This is, and, and we overcome through him. We overcome through Christ who comes in and overrules when, the, when the, the Satan is trying to afflict you, oppress you, steal from you. And Christ comes in and says, no, I'm overruling that. That's not going to happen. They're, they're my children. They're blessed. And so I want to speak to you today and I want to enlighten you about Give you the tools so that this year you can experience Christ's overruling power come into your circumstances and situations. Because when the enemy comes to attack you and steal from you, when the enemy comes to afflict you or stop you getting to where God wants to take you, you want to see Jesus' hands come through and say, No, I'm overruling that. I'm, stop I'm not allowing that. It's illegitimate. He's my son. He's my daughter. She's my daughter. Now, to be an overcomer, there's a number of things you've got to have. There's got to have. If we go back to the book of Revelation, it starts in, in Jesus addressing the three churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. But before that, John is on the island of Patmos. And he's on the island of Patmos. And it says, when he was on the uh, uh, I was in the Spirit, this is in chapter 1, verse 10 of Revelation, on the Lord's day... Great thing to do, get in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And behind, behind me a loud voice said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and see to the seven churches. Send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pegamus, to Theatria, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed, with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And I saw him. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. And before Jesus even spoke about overcoming, he gave John a vision of the real resurrected Jesus as he is today. And it's so important that you can see Jesus as he really is. Because this is Jesus. He's, 
He's completely victorious. He has conquered sin and death after dying on the cross. He's got the keys of death and Hades in his hand. And John doesn't see a meek and mild little lamb. He sees one with eyes of fire who speaks and his voice is like rushing waters. It is so awesome what he sees. A God who is totally victorious and totally in control, holds the stars in his hand, totally in control and totally overcome. And it's so amazing. And he's so almighty and powerful, he falls flat on his face because he sees this Jesus as he is, completely victorious and in complete authority. You know why that's important? I, I've been with some believers, and even when they pray, you think they're praying and there's a great battle going on between Satan and God, and we're not sure who's going to win. But this, what, what the, the victory Jesus won at the cross. Let me tell you what Colossians 2.15 says. It says this. It says, at the cross, he wiped out the handwritten requirements of what was against us. That's the law and contrary to us. Taken it out of the way, he nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them in it. So at the cross, Jesus Christ completely won victory over Satan. And he completely disarmed every demon of his power, every principality in his power. It's like if I'm in a shop and... Tonka comes up to me. God forbid he does. But he comes up to me to rob me. And he has a gun. I shouldn't be saying this about Tonka. He's never going to do that. <laughs> but I just saw his face. But he, and, and he points his gun at me. Well, I tell you what. When he points his gun at me, I am going to do what he says. And I'm not going to fight. Because with that weapon, he has me under his control. He has authority over me. That weapon has power over me. But the day I find out there's no bullets in the weapon, look out. Look out. But that's who Satan is. That's what Christ has done to him. The only thing that Satan has is an empty weapon. And the only tool he has is to deceive you that he's powerful and to lie to you. But he's disarmed. And you have to see that Jesus Christ is almighty, has won every battle, disarmed him, not only died at the cross for our sin, but disarmed every power of hell. And he is, he is almighty. He is all-powerful, and he's the one who's behind you. Why do you need this? I, tell, I see many people that when they, I said before, they pray that way, but they also see Jesus as this meek and, lamb, meek and mild lamb. You know that picture where he's got the lamb over his shoulders and he's walking, wouldn't harm anybody. That is, the, that is the incarnate Christ, the lamb of God, but that's not who is alive today. Who is alive today is the lion of Judah. And it's so important you see him that way because there was a man called Joshua. Moses failed to inherit what God was giving him. But Joshua was victorious. One of the reasons he was victorious is before he went on the same journey that Moses went on. In Joshua chapter 5, you can see it. Somebody turned up. And it says, 
It came to pass just before Joshua was going to a battle, a battle he needed to win. Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him, and his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us our adversities? He said, No, as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. Sounds similar? And he worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord said to Joshua, Take off your sandals, your foot, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And Joshua did so. What's that all about? He's about to go into a battle. Before he goes into that battle, God gives him a true image. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. This is the same Jesus that turned up for John. This is the commander of the Lord of hosts. And he saw him as the one who didn't come to, to take sides. He just comes to take over. And he was mighty, sword drawn in his hand. Well, John saw him with a sword coming out of his mouth. This is Jesus. And before you can be an overcomer, you have to know who is with you. It is not the Lamb of God anymore. It is a line of Judah. And he comes not to take sides. He comes to take over for the righteous. He comes to take over when we're going into battles that seem insurmountable. He goes into battle for people who understand what it is to be an overcomer. Now here it says that they overcame him. And you will overcome your battles this year the same way. You have to have the Word of God. You have to apply the Word of God in your life. You can't just be an experiential Christian. You must read the Word of God and find out what it says so that you too can be an overcomer. Now, how did they overcome? It says here, they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not their, love their lives unto death. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Now, listen, it's really important we understand. If you're going to have victory this year, you've got to understand and the, the church that's going to be victorious has to get back to the cross. Because everything that you need to, to have a, win your battle this year, everything you need, Christ has already done for you. Everything you need, Christ has accomplished already for you at the cross. Every battle you're going to go into, he has already won that battle at the cross. Every sin and temptation you're going to face, he's already won that battle at the cross. Every affliction you're going to face, he's already won that at the cross. All the deliverance you need, he's already won that battle at the cross. Now, Satan is a... Is a is a mean enemy, and what he wants to do, he wants to put you in bondage, and he wants to stop you from getting to where God wants to take you. He wants to stop you inheriting the promises God has made for you and your family. Now, there's, there's a time in Israel's history where, and these are types. In the Old Testament, they are types of what we have in the New. And Pharaoh represents Satan, Egypt represents the world, and Israel represents God's people, represents you and I today, Christians. And God's people were not living how God wanted them to live. They were in bondage. And Pharaoh was a cruel taskmaster, and he had God's people in bondage. 
Now, I want to show you how God not only got them out of bondage, but got them into the promises that he had for them, living back in the place of blessing the promised land. Because some of us this year, and we may have started this year, we may feel like we're in bondage, bondage to sin, bondage to sickness, bondage to depression. We could be in bondage to lots of things, and God wants you to overcome those things. He wants you to come out of that depression. He wants you to come out of that marriage situation. He wants to come out of all the things the devil's trying to do and into the place where God says, he wants you to be a place of blessing. Now, how do you get from one place to the other? How do you overcome the depression? How do you overcome what the enemy is trying to keep you in? What God tells us. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses, to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months, it shall be the first months of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him his neighbor next door. Uh, take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make, make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourth, 14th day of the month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw. You shall... Not let any of it rot or remain. <coughs> what, let, what remains of it, you shall burn with fire. It says in verse 13, for, sorry, verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are and where when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now here they are. These people were in bondage to, at the time, the most powerful nation on earth, which was Egypt. They're in bondage. And Pharaoh was a cruel taskmaster. And they had no army. They had no capacity to help themselves but God gave them victory God gave them a miraculous victory and he set them free from what was naturally impossible to get free of and on what basis did they get free on what basis did they obtain complete and utter deliverance one thing was needed, the shed blood of a spotless lamb. There was nothing, everything they got was simply on the basis of the shed blood of a spotless lamb. Now, we all know, if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God because the first thing John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus was, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is a spotless lamb. He never sinned for us. Then he shed his blood as the Lamb of God so that your sin and my sin could be forgiven. But that's not going to get you free. 
That's not going to make you an overcomer. That is not going to bring you the deliverance you need. Why do I say that? Because it wasn't the knowledge of the blood that got the children of Israel free and eat from Egypt. The blood was useless while it was in the bowl. While they just had knowledge of the blood, it didn't do them any good. The blood had to be taken by the father of the household and applied to the doorframe of the house. If you don't know how to apply the blood, you won't get victory. If you don't know how to apply the blood, you won't get to overcome Satan. You must know how to apply the blood. How do we apply the blood? Listen, the blood of Jesus was shed that every sin you've ever committed, past, present, or future, is forgiven. The blood of Jesus is so powerful he was wounded and he shed blood for our healing. When they put a crown of thorns on his head, he shed blood so that mental illness could be healed. Depression could be healed. His blood is so powerful. One drop of his blood terrifies every demon from hell. That's why we sing, there is power in the blood. That's why we take communion every week, because it is a victory meal. The blood of Jesus is complete victory. But the blood had to be applied. And a lot of Christians, they come into church. I don't mean to be negative, but they sing about the blood. And we even dance about the blood. And when we have challenges... When Satan's trying to afflict our, our, our children or our marriages or whatever it is. When you've got a battle with, with habitual sin. We don't overcome because the blood stays in the bowl. They only had victory when the blood was applied. The blood had to be applied. How do you apply the blood? They applied it with a brush over their lentils. How do you apply it, the blood? Because the blood, so powerful, complete victory is in the blood. Let me tell you, the Bible says they got victory, they overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. This is how you apply the blood. By testifying what the Word of God says the blood does and what the Word of God says the blood does and is doing in my life right now. Thank you, Bede. Couldn't do without you. I believe in my heart and confess it with my mouth. If you're struggling with sin, the way you overcome that battle with sin is say, Jesus Christ has overcome sin. He's defeated sin for my behalf. I have victory over sin because of Christ's blood. See, when Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan himself in the desert, he didn't fight back on the basis of some great spiritual experience he had. Three times he fought the enemy and he got victory through the Word of God, through testifying what the Word of God says about himself, what the Word of God says 
about who he was. Now, that was this side of the cross. The other side of the cross, you and I have the work of the blood and we need to testify of what has been done for us, what victory has won for us through the blood. What the Word of God says the blood does and what the blood is actually doing in my life today. What is the blood, the blood of God doing in your life today? It's doing the same thing it did for the people 2,000 years ago. You know, when the avenging, avenging angel passed over, it, they were protected because the, God saw blood over their life. When you actually apply the blood and you say, the blood of Jesus protects my life, the blood of Jesus is my defense against pestilence, it's my defense for my family against, I plead the blood of Jesus over my household, the blood is applied. The blood brings protection. When you are, these people were, were, were trapped in a power, Egypt was a superpower, and Satan represents Pharaoh, and he was seemingly unconquerable. There's no way they could get out of this situation. They couldn't be delivered from it. But what delivered them? The blood. That's why you can say, the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I am set free. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Whatever the enemy's trying to deliver me from, I have a Jesus who liberated everyone from every sin, every leprosy, every disease, and the blood of Jesus is still liberating people today. And I declare it, this is the testimony of what the blood does, what the Word says, and what the blood is doing in my life today. You may think, you're, you know, one of the ways the devil tries to stop you getting where you're going to your destiny, God has a promise for you. He may have be a ministry promise, maybe a promise for your family or your marriage or whatever, your finances, your business, that he wants to use you. And you know, one of the ways the devil stops you, he tries to condemn you. He tries to say, you know, that sin that you did, maybe you don't even do it today, but you did it five years ago. If the people knew about that sin, oh my goodness, <laughs> you're, you're unfit to be used by God. He tries to condemn you and you bring condemnation of you. So instead of walking with your head held high with the smile of God on your life, you walk around like this with guilt and shame. And you know how people fight back against the devil's attempt to condemn you? He says, you know, that, that sin you did five years ago, it's so bad, Tracy. The people knew, you know, what we do, we then look in our own experience. We say, oh, but I, I, I do some good things over here. It doesn't work. Because the devil comes and says, yeah, but that thing you did was a lot worse. What you should do is when the devil comes to condemn you, is what you say, uh-uh, it doesn't matter what I did. It's under the blood. It's, it's under the blood. The blood, because of the blood, Jesus forgave me. The Bible says, because of the blood, my sin was removed from the east to the west. That because of the blood, I'm not only forgiven, God has chosen to forget my sin. Because of the blood. But it is the blood the blood of Jesus that helps you overcome the efforts of Satan to constantly condemn you when the truth is that you've been forgiven. You know, when Christ forgives you, He forgets your sin. He chooses to. When there's true repentance, 
you're not, you, you, there is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ because of the blood. And you know how you testify that? Sometimes you've got to shout it in the face of the devil. When he's trying to condemn you, you say, everything is under the blood. There is no condemnation for Christ Jesus. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We declare what God has said about me because of the blood, not by what anybody else says, not by what Satan says. So we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by constantly testifying to what the blood has accomplished, what the Word of God says, and what it's still doing in my life today. That's how we apply the victory of the blood. Now, it says one other thing, and this is where the rubber really hits the road. A lot of people... A lot of people know these first two scriptures, and a lot of people don't even know how to apply the first two scriptures, but they don't experience Christ coming in to overrule for them constantly, win their battles for them, make them conquerors, overcome battles for them by releasing his power into your life, by saying to the devil, I know you want to do that, but it's illegitimate. I'm overruling. I'm releasing my power into that situation, turning it all around because you're more than a conqueror. One of the main reasons people don't experience that is because they don't know this last scripture. I've heard many people say, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, but they always leave out the last bit. What's the last bit? Not loving their lives unto death. And this is something that people struggle to comprehend and struggle to apply. But it's so important. If we are going to see Christ bring victory for us in our battles in 2024. This third part is where the rubber really hits the road. And I want to tell you, there's so much power. There's so much power when, like the early people this was written to, they're being martyred. They're actually being martyred. And, and this word comes saying, yeah, you'll continue to have victory. You'll overcome, you'll make heaven. But it may cost you your life, Jesus was saying to them. And see, Jesus, he overcame for us by, in complete obedience to his Father, he went to a place that his flesh would rather not go, but in complete obedience to his Father, he went to a cross and he died an awful death in obedience to the Father, so that my sin and your sin could be forgiven. He went to the, that cross and he paid my penalty and your penalty in complete obedience to the Father, and he became that sacrifice. And the reason he did that was because he loved me and he loved you. He did that. And he didn't love his life under the death. When his father said in Gethsemane, you've got to give your life up, he gave it up. In the natural, he didn't want to. Because he said, if it's possible, take this cup away, let it pass. But he obeyed his father to the death. And in that death, in that decision, he got victory. That's how victory was won, that my sin could be forgiven. That I could be healed, I could be set free. I could be eternally admitted to heaven. It was because of that decision of Christ. He gained that victory through his suffering and obedience 
and dying for me because he loves me. Now, a lot of people, they want to have a relationship with Jesus, which is what I call utilitarian. We are users of Jesus, not necessarily lovers of Jesus. And we have a utilitarian relationship. We want to call on him as Savior, but not always follow him as our Lord. Yet, what brings victory and what brings his power, his overruling and overriding power, is entering into a relationship with him which transcends even dying. Having a relationship with Jesus who died for me and coming into that relationship and saying, I so appreciate what you've done and, and you've not only forgiven me, you've come into my life and you're so valuable, you're so precious to me that you who died for me, I'm actually willing to die for you. That's why Paul said, I die daily. But this is talking about a serious love relationship. He comes and overrules for those who live in that serious love relationship with him. He is our first love, and we are even prepared to die for him. Don't think this is overly strange. Don't think this is overly weird or, or too high a bar to jump over, because there's many people, myself included here, who would willingly die for people. I die for my when I was I die for my children. I would lay down my life for my children. Even Anzac soldiers were willing to lay down their life for you and I our freedom. But it's very, very important that we have a living relationship with Jesus. That is a love relationship like that. You know, I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus your life? Is he your reason? Is he your everything? And it's not, you know, some of us are prepared to be martyrs for Jesus. But the Bible says in Romans 12 too, the relationship he wants for us, he says, now offer yourself as a living sacrifice, not a dead one. That means that not only are you willing to die for him, but you're willing to live for him. When he says go left and your flesh wants to go right, you're willing to die daily to your will to follow his will. That they're the people and they're the only people that he overrules for. You can shout, you can come to the prayer, but you can dance, you can raise. But when Jesus says go left and you go, I'm going right, forget about overcoming. I won't tell you, forget about it. You just live a frustrated Christian life. It is all for Jesus or it's nothing. He is your everything. And if he's your everything, he will overrule for you. When the enemy comes in, if you're willing to lay down all your preferences for his preferences, when the enemy comes in and says, I've decided to attack your marriage. I have decided to afflict that person. Jesus will come. I'm overruling that. That's my child. They're going to be blessed. I'm going to overcome for them because Jesus, for that man, that, that, that person is more valuable than life itself. I just want to say to start this year, is that, is that the relationship you have for him? Because I want to tell you, 
for, for casual, Christian, casual Christianity, which is rampant in this country, greasy grace, there's no victory, there's no promise. It's come into our culture. We want a laid-back Christianity where oh, all we want to know about is Jesus loves me. But unless he's your life, he will not overcome for you. By the blood, by the testimony of what the Word of God says the blood does and is doing. And because they did not love their lives to the death, they overcame. He overruled for them. He, every time the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus stepped in, turned the battle around, turned it for your good, overruled everything the devil was trying to do. But I've got, I got good news for you. I've got really good news. If you really do trust in that blood, really trust in the blood and have a revelation, the blood still protects, still brings deliverance. You know those people... They were not only set free from Israel. For 40 years, they walked through the desert. Their shoes didn't wear out. They had complete provision. No one ever got sick, all on the basis of the shed blood of a lamb. Just the shed blood of a lamb. That's what Christ has accomplished for us at the cross. The shed blood has accomplished all that. And as we believe it, as we proclaim it, His power, his overruling power continues to come into our life, turn situations for your good. I've got a confession to make. When I was young, I don't think I've even told my children this. It's like a secret that I'm going to confess today. You know, the most, the most, one of the most significant events in my week happened, and I used to start looking forward to it from Saturday morning. And every Saturday morning at 12 noon and Sunday morning at 12 noon, I'd sit myself down in front of my TV and wait with the TV set for Channel 9. And what was I waiting to watch? World Championship Wrestling. <laughs> and I would wait for... The reason we loved it, we lived around the corner from Ronnie Miller. Now, Ronnie Miller was a, a wrestling partner. His partner was Larry O'Day. And they were the world wrestling champions of the world. And I used to, he used to sometimes take us out to the Horden Pavilion on special occasions. And there were people out there called Mario Milano, this wrestler. And he would wrestle Brute Bernard and the Sheik. And I just loved it. And, and they'd body slam each other. And, and, they'd, and they'd, they'd jump off the ropes and throw tables at each other. It was just incredible. And, they, and, they'd be, and, and then one day, I used to sit there Saturday, sit there Sunday, and just wait for this to come on. And then one day, it was like, similar to Santa Claus. Someone told me that wrestling was fake. <laughs> it, it, it was, I think I was about 12 years old by this stage. And someone said to me, they said, it's all scripted. And sure enough, it is. It's scripted. <laughs> Who would have ever believed and, and, and what happens is that in wrestling, it's predetermined who wins. And, and, and Michael could be my opponent. And if I'm prescripted to win, 
Michael could have me down. He could, have, he could throw a table at my head. He could jump on my head 35 times, even make me bleed. He could do all this, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to turn the tables on him sooner or later, and I'm going to turn and overcome, and I'm going to turn the battle, and I'm going to have victory because it's already been decided. Through the cross, Christ has already won the victory, and he has prescribed for you that you're an overcomer. And if we live trusting in the blood, testifying to him, not loving our lives unto death, no matter what battle you face this year, no matter what situation you're up against, his power will come in and he'll override in your favor. He'll turn it around. That's why the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Did you believe that? Do you believe that this year his overruling power will be seen in your life? Areas in your life where you may have experienced defeat, frustration, ongoing mountains and hitting walls and not getting breakthrough. I want to tell you, the word I got for 2024 is it's not more of the same for my people. If they will apply the word of God, Jesus Christ will release his power overrule what the enemy's trying to do in your life. It'll be a year of breakthrough. It will. Be, I'm telling you, by the Word of God, I'm speaking the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not the same. It is not 2022. It is not 2023. It is a year of victory, a year of overcoming victory by faith for God's people. Stand up and start to praise Him. Stand on your feet. Get the worship team up here again tonight because I want to declare it over us. It is... A year of overcoming. Battles, yes. Challenges, yes. Storms, yes. Mountains, yes. Attacks, yes. But we have one who will overrule in your favor. Whose power will come into your circumstances and turn that situation around. When the enemy seems like he's jumping on you. Christ, get it in your head. Christ has already declared you an overcomer more than a conqueror, that that battle you are in, he says he has won victory for you. Even over death, he has won that battle for you. He's won that battle over sin for you. He's won that battle over that habitual sin that you can't seem to win. He's going to turn it around. The devil may be jumping on you, but it's already been described, prescribed. It's fixed. You are going to overcome this year. Maybe you're afflicted and depressed, and depression's been jumping on your life. Jesus Christ, it's already predetermined. You're going to be an overcomer this year. You're more than a conqueror. You just live and love him, not loving your life to death. He is going to overrule that thing and bring you out. Just trust in the blood. Just testify every day what the blood of Jesus has done for me. There is complete victory. Do we have that song, the wonder-working blood? I bet you we don't. The blood, the blood, the wonder-work. I love that song. Power in the blood. Come on, Ashley. Even if we don't have it on thing, we can sing it by. Thank you, Paul. Praise God. Let's sing that because I tell you what, 
everything, whatever battle in sin you may be in, whatever the devil's trying to keep you captured by, what you need to get out has already been done 2,000 years ago at the cross, and it's not a historical event. It's for you today, and you just need to take that blood, that victory, and apply it to your life. You'll have victory over sin this year. You'll have victory over depression. You'll have victory, not because anything that you to do, because Christ is going to come in. He's going to overrule for you. He's going to release his power in your situation so that you are and you will say, through Christ, we are more than conquerors even over death. If anyone is in a battle today, you need someone just to stand with you, help you apply the blood by faith. Someone will do that today. Amen? Amen. 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 Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Father God. For Jesus, that he so loved the world, that he didn't sit in heaven, he didn't stay there, even though he was completely self-contained and complete, that he loved me so much, he loved everyone here so much, that he came into this world for a purpose, to bring victory by shedding the blood. And I thank you that blood is victory over sin. I thank you that blood is victory over mental illness. I thank you that blood brings victory over everything the devil's trying to keep me captured in. And we proclaim that blood. We apply that blood over 2024, over the year 2024. And as we proclaim the blood of Jesus, as we testify to what you did and accomplished and are still doing in my life today, we thank you that you shall overrule. You shall overrule what the enemy's doing this year in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hallelujah.